Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. All right, welcome back. This is the Investor Coaching Show. I'm Paul Winkler talking money and investing and here with Dan Hill and Mr. Evan Barnard. Yes. Okay, Danny, go, go, man. Just okay. go. I know you're, so, you're chomping at the bit. So, yeah, so when we were on break, we are talking a little bit. So, you know, the REITs were one of those things you talked about that uh, can cause problems for the beneficiaries, but they're also kind of restricted for the owners prior to death. And those, along those same lines, uh, one of the things we talk about frequently are annuities. And I always tell people there's good ones, there's bad ones, there's ugly ones. So um, ran across a couple, a couple months back where the beneficiary options were slim and none, and slim had left town. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, there, there was only like a couple, op- there was no lump sum option. You could only take it over a five or 10 year annuitization period. Mm-hmm. So just wanted to throw that quick note in there because I know they're one of the your favorite things and you and I talk about them a lot. So mm-hmm. buyer beware. Yeah, get, get educated. Yeah, yeah. It, it's quite often that um, I get frustrated by because there's so much marketing of those types of things and people don't even realize. A lot of times they don't even use the word annuity in the sales no. presentation because no. they know that people are like, eh, yeah. you know, they've, they've heard enough bad stuff. Tax deferral lifetime income. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I, uh, in honor of this week, uh, my beloved wife was out of town visiting the grandchildren, and so I was kind of nerding out uh, by myself there at the house. And I thought I would do a little bit of research. I don't think we've ever discussed this on the show before, and this is new for you as well. Uh, if we were to look at the average rate of return of the S&P 500, so not a diversified portfolio, just the S&P from 1929 to 2023, I'll give you the exact number. What what would you guess the average rate of the S and P over that roughly hundred year time period would be? Ten point two, pretty close. In this particular thing, it was eleven point five. Okay, just Whoa. for that time period, and that's just pure arithmetic average rate of return. Stay, uh, so so, oh, er, so just, it's not average annualized. No, just. Okay, arithmetic okay. mean Air, okay 11 and okay, a half. so that that okay. would be a different number yep. okay that's why that's what so throw me off why did i pick okay. 1929 i hate being even one percent off danny he's just why is paul getting so upset because, i know this <laughs> okay <laughs> so here's the interesting thing since 1929 the groundhog has <laughs> not seen his shadow 40 percent right for 19 times 38 okay <laughs> shut up no that's you're talking about the weather. No, no, I know, I know. It's forty percent of the time he's right. Yeah. So, you know, that, well, but, you know that's not bad. nineteen times the groundhog has not seen his shadow, which means it's going to be sunny. Okay. That's fine. And then the other roughly eighty times or so, uh, you know, seventy-eight times he saw his shadow or didn't see his shadow, and that means it's going to be winter. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But here's the interesting thing: if he sees his shadow. Mm-hmm. The average rate of return of the S&P 500. <laughs> oh, no, do not. That's hilarious. <laughs> this is worse than the is, NFC, AFC thing. It's 9.85%. The, aver- the arithmetic average, in this case, the average rate was 9.85% if he saw his shadow. 
Okay. If he doesn't see his shadow. 9.87. 18.91. And so, so anyway, 2024, this past week, he didn't see his shadow. And so... We need the, to reallocate. The, the average rate of return after he doesn't see his shadow is 18%. Twice. You know, and, you know. I know we're going to have the AFC-NFC conversation. You get, you're like giving red meat to next gamblers week. out there. You realize this, don't you? <laughs> so it was really kind of interesting. I was, you know, it's kind of like when and you mentioned doing the politics and portfolios a couple of times this year. I'm always surprised at the disparity between rates of return with Republican administrations and Democrat administrations and how mm-hmm. relatively far apart they are in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just kind of fun. It was like, okay, well, what does the market do if the groundhog sees his shadow or doesn't see his shadow? And That's the, hilarious. But even all in, it still was 11% average rate of return, and which means you know your money's doubling every seven years, roughly. Yeah. Um, but that was just kind of a... I just had so, time on my hands and said, so hey, let's see how this AFC, plays NFC out. NFC thing again? <laughs> well, I didn't, well, that's the, you know, the market, whatever goes up. If the AFC wins the Super Bowl, you maybe remember these. I forget what the thing is. I'll look it up for next week. I, but. I'm more interested in the Pox of Tony portfolio. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I really am kind of look, looking forward to summer, <laughs> spring and summer. I'm, I you know, you. That, that a couple weeks ago did me in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you. But you talking about 40%. On the weather forecast, you know, again, that's why you can't predict the future. You know, it's just, it's mm-hmm. a long-term mm-hmm. thing. Don't try to predict uh, what it's going to do. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So so there was a, um, I don't know, you guys have been, one of the things that we've been talking about around the office over here is we've been talking a little bit about the, there, there was something that, that, Came up and Mac Mac Dana, who answers the answers our front front desk, uh, you know, office manager in here. She was actually looking at an article and she goes, "Oh, you ought to talk about this article." And I said, "Well, what is it?" And it was five signs it could be time to fire your advisor. Oh, that sounds fun. Was the title of it? Okay, so she said, "You know, there are some things in here that people have asked about when they call." Oh yeah, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, print it up for me and we'll talk about it. But I thought it was funny because I'll save where it came from till the end. I'm going to save where it came from till the end <laughs> because I want to just kind of you know, walk through what they said and then say, OK, here's where it came from. Because, you know, the bias shows up. You'll read an article and you have no idea where this article came from and, mm-hmm. and where the research came from or anything like that. And then you come to find out that it's a pro-annuity article, for example, and it comes from an insurance company or a college that is run by an insurance company. Shocking. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, five signs it could be time to fire your advice. The first one, and I've just run this by you guys and say, uh, see what you think about some of these. Uh, they're not a fiduciary. Okay, I'll, so I'll we- buy we, into that. Yeah, we-, we <laughs> Yeah, we talk about that, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So we talk about that, that by definition, a fiduciary is an individual who is ethically bound to act in another person's best interest. Obligation helps control or limit conflict of interest concerns and can help make the advisor's advice more trustworthy. Now, there is 
there is a caveat here, as I've talked about many times, which is the Indiana University USC study, yeah, where they basically looked at financial advisors' portfolios, and they found that they were screwing up their own portfolios. Mm-hmm. But then they said, well, wait a minute, they're screwing up their own portfolios, but maybe they're doing it because they want to be able to say, you know, Mrs. Jones, I'm managing my money this way, and I'm not doing anything, having you do anything that I'm not doing myself. Yep. So in all wiseness, the universities decided to look at the, the investment advisors' portfolios after they retired. So they're not trying to use, I'm managing my money the same way I'm managing yours as a sales point. Mm-hmm. And they found that they were still making the same academic mistakes in managing their portfolios. So the point that they made in the study was if they keep screwing up their own portfolios, they apparently don't know what's in somebody's best interest is the point of the study. Because they were fighting, I don't want to say fighting, but they were disputing the idea that the fiduciary standard actually would hold water, that it would be something that would be useful for a client. Because if the Advisors don't even know what's in somebody's best interest. You know, you got a problem here. So you can't hold them to a standard when they're kind of, they can't even hold themselves to that standard with their right. own money. They're, they're still doing active investing and breaking all the rules. But in general, in general, we want somebody doing what they think is in your best interest. I right. think that's a, that's a better thing. So I'm not going to argue too much with that, as Evan said. Fair enough. Not going to argue too much with that. Okay. Second thing, point number two. And I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this one. <laughs> they dismiss your input. People hire a financial advisor to tap into an advisor's knowledge and expertise, but that doesn't mean the financial advisor should assume free reign over your investments. Now, instinctively, that sounds good. Don't let somebody have free reign over your investments because they're going to, they're just going to have a heyday with it. They're going to go buy themselves a cruise or something like that. If they, you know, so instinctively that, you know, our, our our antenna goes up when we hear that somebody has free reign over uh-huh. our investments because yes, we sir. think that they're going to self-deal. Yes. But, you know, that's not what they're talking about here. They're talking about, in general, don't let them manage the portfolio and make decisions without your input is kind of what I'm reading here, uh-huh. right? They should absolutely be responsive to your feedback. Is is Now... <laughs> Go ahead, because I, I've got something I want to say about this, but I want to hear what you guys yeah. have to say. The uh, This would be a four-hour show today. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll parse that out a little bit. I would agree with the, the premise. I think the investor should absolutely be involved in the process of establish, establishing the portfolio. Mm-hmm. And they should be fully understanding the risk and return and how it's you know, produced and what's going to happen in up and down and rebalancing and all of that. They should understand, they should understand the it. academic process. And but they're not necessarily contributing to that information because well, they wouldn't con- be coming to you if they knew that. Number one. Yes, but they're but, contributing their risk return expert. You know, absolutely profile. agree with that. Absolutely agree. But they're talking about yeah. Well, this is getting ongoing decisions. Hey, yeah. Yeah, no, I want this particular stock in my investment yeah. portfolio. Yes. I want this particular mutual fund over <laughs> that one. That one. Uh, you know, can you put a little bit more of this asset category in there? I'll say sure. Just fire me. Right. Exactly. Because here's the problem. That's how I answer it. Ex- no, exactly. And you go, <laughs> well, that's kind of that's kind of narrow minded, isn't it? No. What did point one say? As Jim Wood, up yeah. in the Goodlessville office, well made. What did point one say? That you want somebody that is a fiduciary, 
If all of a sudden you are saying, hey, could you put add a little bit more? Could you put a little bit of, you know, more arsenic in my, uh, in, in my Cheerios? <laughs> How much manure is okay to put in the brownies? Right? Yes. Like, yes. Uh, none. Can you put <laughs> none? Yes. Can you put a little, if it is in my best interest. Right. And I have to be acting in your best interest, and you're telling me to put something in there which is harmful to you. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to do that. Right. Nope. That doesn't make any sense. Nope. Silly. Right? Right? Yeah. But I say it with love in my heart. Yeah, that's right. Fire me. Peace. Fire, fire me, love. but I love you. Bless your heart. <laughs> I love you. Bless your heart. They're difficult to reach. I agree with this. That's fair. A good financial advisor will have steady base of clients. They're bound to be busy, but being too busy to take your phone calls or schedule regular check-ins can be a big problem, especially in a volatile market. Now, I think it's interesting that they added in a volatile market. Yeah. I think a really good thing to do is educate the clients ahead of time so that the phone isn't ringing off the hook so that they knew when something happens, they, they knew exactly what to expect in the portfolios acting within expectations. Right. So you don't panic during market downturns and you don't get overly exuberant during market upturns. Right. I think that's probably Perfect. a better idea. Perfect. Yep. Don't yeah, you guys I, think? Because yeah. uh, what are you going to do after a market downturn? What are you going to be driven to do? What are they going to tell you to do? Put my money under the mattress. Yeah. Make changes. Typically not in your best interest, which is what they say next. That's the funny part. You should be able to get your advisor on the phone if you have a question about your investments. Yep, absolutely true. Or want to change strategies. When are you going to want to change strategies? At the wrong time. At the worst times, yes. So, yeah, I, I do want to address something like that. And this is what I love about our clients and how we work with our clients mm -hmm. is, you know, we do tons of education. But, you know, there are clients that are more engaged. Mm-hmm. And there are clients that are less engaged. Mm -hmm. Let's just use that phrase. Yeah. And if a client is reached out to numerous times and we send videos and you've got the podcast and we have workshops. Yeah, and the radio and show. And they never take advantage of that. Yeah. Then that person calls because they haven't been inoculated against the next downturn. And they're upset that you didn't immediately call them back. Right. Now, the fun thing is we don't. We don't get those calls. That's a nice thing, you know, but it's rare. Mm -hmm. But very it, rare. It is a two way street, and pe people are so busy, clients are so busy that it has gotten easier, I think, to say, nope, everything's fine. I don't need to come in and review things. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, you may not need to come in and review, but we don't know what's coming down the road in three months. It'd still probably be a good time to get together. And you know, and just to really quickly finish up the segment, I think that the important part is that you have somebody you can pick up the phone with and go, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Yeah, I'm thinking about doing that. I'm thinking about changing my homeowner's insurance. I'm thinking about a Medicare supplement. I'm thinking about you know whatever." And Perfect. you can get a hold of somebody really quick, and they know you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's super super important. So yeah. in general, the point is good, but I just want to pick out you know yep. a couple things that I yep. thought that's kind of ridiculous. What there's the reason that they're saying that you ought to be able to get a hold of them is completely fallacious. I think that's wrong. Hey guys, if you want specific advice for your unique situation, schedule a free 15-minute phone chat with one of our trusted advisors by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. We don't sell any products and our advisors don't make any commissions, so this isn't a sales call. We have a coaching process that helps you understand investing and relax about money. Don't put blind trust in anyone with your financial assets. 
We want to partner with you in the process so you know what you're doing and why. We manage assets on a fee-only basis, which means that when you do well, we do well, which aligns our interests with yours from the start. We also bring you into the financial planning process that gives you a clear plan so you can find the freedom to pursue your purpose. All our advisors are degreed planners too, with years of experience. So schedule a free 15-minute phone call with an advisor by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. Paul Winkler Investor Coaching Show, just frying the brain of my friend Leviticus during a break. I said I wanted to talk. <laughs> See, I knew, I, knew, I knew I'd get you worked up. I knew I would get you worked up. I'm just going to send a recording of me next week and no, just have no, 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 flat no. Evan behind no. the microphone instead of flat Stanley. <laughs> okay, so what we were talking about before this break, we were talking about five signs could it be time to fire your advisor. Uh, Dana up in the Goodlessville office, who is our office manager, actually found this article and sent it off my way. And I walked through the first couple. first two actually... Oh, well, they contradict each other. One saying, make sure that they're a fiduciary, but also make sure that they take your input in the management of the portfolio. Because, you know, when you give input, they have to sign off on it. That's in your best interest. And if it's not in your best interest, then basically that is not being a fiduciary. So breach makes no sense. Um, they're difficult to reach. And then the reason that they said you ought to be able to reach them or that they should be able to reach you is to be able to tell you to change the portfolio when when you're going to do that. You're going to do it after a market downturn. You're going to tell them to sell, and then then when you'll lock in losses if the port market's down, then the market goes back up, and you tell them to buy. And then again, that also goes against their very first point about that they're a fiduciary. So twice they have negated the very first point that they made. Uh, they're they're batting a thousand. Uh, next one was this: they don't give you the details. Was the next one. Now, That's a good reason. I think it is a good reason. That's a great reason. I think it's a. Re this is a good one. They they got to. They finally on point number four. They hit it. Uh, whether you're investing five thousand or five hundred thousand, you want to know how well your investments are doing. If your advisor is not forthcoming about the status of your investments, you should be suspicious as to why they're so tight-lipped. There's only one problem with that. The research that shows that less than four percent of registered investment advisors actually have audited client returns. Mm-hmm. That is almost unheard of that they actually know the returns or you ask a mutual fund company. I defy you to be able to call up Vanguard, Fidelity, American Funds, TD, TD, you know, T. Rowe Price, Price. Uh, T. Rowe Price, any, any fund, fund company and say, what were your actual client returns in the portfolios? They, it's just you don't, you don't find that. You right. do not find that. Uh, if you and you look at it's it's four percent. It's less than four percent. There was a study done on it. Mm -hmm. So you know you look at that and you go, well, good luck trying to find somebody that actually. But they're not asking you to ask for that information because they know that that's way too much to ask. That's too big of an ask. But I think you ought to be able to know that type of things. You know, global investment performance standards. Likewise, they're giving you the numbers without explaining what it means. That can be equally problematic. Now, I think that's really key. When you get the return of a portfolio, the problem is, let's say that I have, and I use this in a newsletter. I just wrote a newsletter. You guys haven't seen this yet. I'll, I'll, give, it to you. I'll give you guys a copy of this newsletter. What I wrote is about, here's the problem with just giving somebody a number on the return of a portfolio. Let's say you have two asset classes in your portfolio. One had a 20% return, and one had a 10% return. Now your portfolio return is going to be in the middle, 15. 
Now, if you found out you had a 15% return and you saw something else, the media's saying, hey, this had 20% return, you're going to go give me that 20% asset and you're going to mess up your portfolio. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors. And confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.